Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. Today is Sunday, January 24th, 2016. The share ID for Friday, January 22nd, is 8402. That's 8402. This morning, A Vision for You presents The Cycle of Recovery. Many people consider the program of recovery, the 12 steps, one of the greatest miracles of the 20th century. There's no telling how many lives have been touched by the 12 steps. The secret of these 12 steps is that in spite of all the odds, it is possible to be able to effectuate such dramatic change, a transformation in personality, character, and values. A new vision comes into view. Our problem was powerlessness, and we are given power. Our problem was isolation, and we are given fellowship and community. Before recovery, we had been subjected to a vicious cycle of personal self-destruction. With recovery, we have been granted a spiritual journey, a cycle of restoration and transformation. Joining us this morning is Marcella M., a recovered compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. Marcella is committed to the 12-step way of life and enthusiastically carrying the good news of the program of recovery. Welcome to you, Marcella M. Good morning, Deb. Good morning, a vision for you. Can you hear me well? I do. Thanks. Awesome. Um, so my name is Marcella M, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, calling in from Boston, and um, I'm going to give you my numbers to get it out of the way, but also to give hope to somebody who's struggling today. Um, my abstinent date is February the 22nd of 2011. That was the day that I had my, what I very much hope is my last bench, my very bad last bench. Um, in I'm 55 years old and I um, I'm five feet four. In this height, as an adult, uh, my top weight has been 211 pounds, and my lowest weight has been 78 pounds. I was starving. I was in a wheelchair. My hair was falling. My teeth were wiggly, but I still wanted to lose three more pounds because who likes 78? I much rather be 75 and 78. So it's more than 100 pounds of fluctuation in this poor body. Um, uh, if everything goes well, it'll be five years in, in a month. And um, it seems like I have my, my weight has been stable for many months now, in 122 pounds. I'm a size four. And um, I'm not hungry. <laughs> I'm not hungry. I'm not worried about what am I going to eat, what I ate, um, what's my next meal. I'm not worried about the effect that of what I what I eaten last week in my body. I'm not afraid of mirrors. I'm not afraid of the scale. I'm not afraid of my closet. Um, food doesn't off, doesn't consume me. Food and food thoughts and the effect of food in my body doesn't consume me. And that gives me so much more freedom to do things that I really want to do and should be doing with my life at this stage. And um, and, and it's just an incredible feeling. 
my home group is a vision for you with this online. Um, I can't participate in the meetings live because I, I am at work at that hour. It's very, very rare for me to be able to call in and, and, and read and, and participate with you. Um, so I'm sure that I bug some of you, Leah, for sure, so that I will be missed in this meeting. So I, I'm, I'm sure that I'm in contact with people, my sponsor and, and, and a few others, to make sure that I'm still part of this group. I have a sponsor in a vision for you, and, and she has a sponsor, and I have some sponsees, and, and they are sponsoring other people. So for today, the cycle of addiction. Um, to illustrate, I mean, the cycle of recovery, not the cycle of addiction, the cycle of recovery. Uh, to illustrate this um, cycle, I studied Chapter 11, um, entitled A Vision for You. This is a chapter that gives our meeting its name. And um, by the time we are here reading, you have a sponsor reading with the book with her. Um, by the time we reach A Vision for You, many wonderful things have had happened already. Um, we know all the information of how to dial innovation for you. We know how to dial the recordings. We are familiar with the special editions, the Sunday recordings. Um, maybe we have a sponsor already where we have, we have, um, we are in a routine of calling her or calling him. And, um, there's a, a, a specific time in the day not only to prepare our food and 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 being in contact with the sponsor, but also there's a, a, a mental space to take the steps, to do step work, to connect with others. By the time we're studying a vision for you, we've taken all the steps, all the steps from 1 to 12. And um, so we already studied the chapters to the wives, the family afterward, and to employers. And, and we have seen in these chapters how our addiction has affected others in our family, in our daily job, and 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 and, and the people that we're closest to. And we have one final chapter. By this time, it seems that we have covered absolutely everything that there is to cover, right? The definition of the problem, the need for the solution, the need for a higher power, um, we have turned our wheels and our lives over to the care of that higher power as we understand it. We have a sponsor. We have written a very detailed and thorough moral inventory, and we have seen our part in each resentment. And um, we have a very good impression of what our defects of character are, what MO, our default is. And, and we know a few prayers, and, and, and then we carefully went through a way of life, which is 10, 11, and 12, we probably even know paragraphs by heart, right? Like how to live in 10, 11, and 12. And then on top of that, we have very carefully with a magnifier seen how our addiction has affected our loved ones, our closest people, if we're married or we have a very close other human being in our lives, into wives. We, we, know, we, we even know how to apply this chapter to in other scenarios like sponsorship, see, we know how our addiction has affected our workplace and we know how the family or the closest people to us looks like when we're just trying to get abstinent and we're just beginning to walk in the path of recovery. So what else is there to cover, right? It's like it's pretty pretty much done. And then we have a vision for you. So a vision for you, if you open the book, it starts um, 
with like what seems like a lament, like a, like a, like a, oh poor me, like oh you food used to mean conviviality and and release from care and release from boredom and worry. And I remember, you know, when almost five years ago when I said, oh, I can't. I have tried so, so, so many times, and I just cannot. There are seriously some ingredients in food that just trigger me and just send me to a complete, total destruction of my body, and, and I just cannot stop. So what is going to happen to me? How in the world am I going to be able to celebrate? How am I going to... Um, have a romantic date with my husband. I just if I have to restrict my food, if I had to set boundaries around my food, how am I going to meet friends? What are my friends going to think when I sit in a restaurant and I said, "Oh no, I'm I'm not going to eat. I'm just going to drink tea because what are my my business partners going to think of me if I just sit in a restaurant and I just wiggle my fingers and drink water or tea? How am I going to attend to my family? How am I going to bake a cake for their birthdays or uh, how, what is going to happen to my social life, to my business, to my marriage, to my, what is going to happen to me with food? And then there's the question, right? It's like, oh, I can't believe that I, it's come down to this, that I have to carry my lunchbox wherever I go. I have to say no thank you 50 times a day and, 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 and mainly that I don't have the comfort and the soothing effect that food has given me all my life. And then there's the question, what is the substitute? Is there an adequate substitute for the food that has kept me companionship, the food that has soothed my feelings, the the food that has comforted me, that has helped me celebrate, that has helped me mourn, that, that, that medicates my anxiety and my fear? What is the substitute? And I just, every single time that I read it with something, I said, what? The substitute is the fellowship. Are you sure? Are you sure that the substitute is not the higher power and my connection and my conscious effort to be connected with the higher power? There must be a mistake here. That the, the substitute for me cannot be the fellowship. Why? It just doesn't seem right, right? Because the book has been pounding on me, the higher power, the higher power, the great reality there the spirit of the universe. And now the introduction of it is the fellowship, but there are no mistakes in the big book. And we know that there are no mistakes of the big book because the big book is too effective to be defective. Like it just, it just shows too many um, um, happy results to be defective. So, so there's not a defect here. So let's see what's going on. So then we keep reading innovation for you and we learn about um, it doesn't mention meanings, but we know that uh, it's Beale and Bob's the preceding days to Beale and Bob's first encounter. So Beale is, you know, a, a few months over and he's trying to raise his nose above water and, and he's broke or about to be broken. And there's a there's a business opportunity in Akron, Ohio. And off he goes and it went wrong. It, it, it didn't um, have the results that he had hoped for. So he's in this hotel, and, and he doesn't even know how to pay for the bill of the room because the, the business didn't go the way he wanted. And, 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 and he hears the bar, and he, hears, he sees all the people in the bar connecting and happy and maybe laughing and joking and keeping each other company. And, and he feels sorry for himself. And, um, and, 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 and what is his response? What is his reaction? He's recovered. He's the very first recovered person that we know that is documented, right? 
um, Abby never stayed recovered. Abby Bill Sponsor is the first documented chronic relapser who never got it. So uh, Bill, instead of running and, and running away from the bar and going to his room, and he didn't go to his room to kneel and to pray, and he didn't go to his room by himself to meditate and be quiet. And he certainly didn't open his notebook to write the four columns and, and to write his resentments and he, what has been selfish, self-seeking, and dishonest, and fearful. And he didn't do his turnarounds. Instead, he went, I mean, we have to understand that there are no cell phones and there's no fellowship now. There's nothing. I mean, there's, there's Bill and there's his spiritual experience and his spiritual awakening. There's Dr. Silkworth, and, and I don't think that he's going to take his call at this time probably the weekend, and, and there's no fellowship. So, so Bill goes and runs to the hope of a fellowship, to a vision of a, fellow, a fellowship, to the need of a fellowship. And he goes and he phones a clergyman, clergyman who has never seen him. And it takes, I think, three days from the first phone call to, um, to the actual encounter with Bob. So... Bill uh, makes his phone call and he says in the big book, and sanity returned, and sanity returned, and then he thanks God. So Bill is living in a flow in which he's in constant con- companionship with his higher power, and, and he understands the need of a fellowship because he knows that he will never make it alone. So far he has been able to stay sober by him, not by himself, but trying to spread the message, but nobody, nobody wants his message. Nobody, nobody stays sober with him. I, I, it doesn't, I don't know that much about the, those very um, um, er, the attempts that Bill made before Bob, but it seems that nobody, has, nobody, wants, not, nobody wants to even try to remain sober. So, so he goes, he makes his phone call, <clears throat> and then um, he meets uh, Dr. Bob, and, and we know what happens rest, the rest, right? So, so that's the substitute. The, the big book tells us that the substitute is, um, is the fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous. So um, I thought of this topic when um, we went to Virginia for the, for the convention of A Vision for You. And um, I remember that uh, before... Uh, we were we were announced, you know, that all the people that organized it. I was um, nagging Leah and many others. Let's get together. Let's get together. Let's get together. And I'm sure that it was not only me. I'm sure there was like hundreds of people nagging the organizers and the, you know the 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 readers and everybody who participates in this wonderful meeting. Let's get together. I I need more. I need not only the voice. I need the faces that go with the voices. And I remember that when he finally got announced, I I immediately bought my urban ticket and I booked my my hotel room and I started counting days and I I have the privilege to be the reader when when we had one one hundred and one days to go and I was reading page one hundred and one I remember that and then it began my my heart was like in two places at the same time I wanted to be there with you already I wa- I was in the future and I was in the present. I was making a list of all the people that I absolutely needed to meet face-to-face and, and that I wanted to chat for a few minutes. And, um, 
And and I was longing, my heart was longing for the future, for an event that was going to happen in the future. And and I even had dreams <laughs> of that convention and, and how it will feel to be surrounded in the notion of a vision for you. And the the beautiful day finally came. My friend Lulu was in the airplane with me. And, and then from the very beginning, um, we spotted other people. It seemed like a lot of notion of people were going to a vision for you in Virginia, in the final flight, we took two flights from Boston to Virginia. Um, I know at least seven people were there and said, who are you? Oh, I'm such and such. Oh, nice to meet you. Oh, good, good. And then uh, we arrived to the hotel and then I unpacked and I, my heart was pounding. It was like, oh my God, it's happening. I'm here. Oh, wait, the, the day finally. I can't wait to meet these people face to face. So off I go to the place where... Um, where you got your badge and you know you sign in and 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 start the gig officially. We got our folders and our pens and 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 our badges with our name. And the very first person that that I that I saw, the voice that I recognized and 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 the very first face that I attached to that was was Melanie. And I just cannot describe the feeling. It was just like a like a like a sweet and sour stab on my on my heart, I just said, oh, the day has come. And then because I'm an addict alcoholic and a, and a compulsive overeater of the worst kind, my mind went to, oh, but in two days, I won't see her anymore. In two days, I won't be here anymore. I don't know if you're like me, but I, I have this extraordinary talent to find unhappiness in, the, in paradise. I was immersed in paradise. My mind went to, Sunday night, I won't be with you anymore. Then I met a few others. I met Larry and Monica, and and, and then I and my, and my heart was like that, like tearing. I would see a face, and I I was just consumed by the longing. Like I, I was say, wrap up my hydrocolator. Hello. Hello, hello. Leah, can you hear me well? Marcella, go ahead. Oh, okay. And um, so I was like that, and 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 I was like I. Like what's going on? I mean, I know this is this is a little too intense for my heart. I was I was like torn. I was like, what what? How how am I going to fix this? Because because I'm here, but I'm not here. I'm already in Sunday morning, Sunday night morning, morning that the convention is not my final destination. That I cannot live in the in the convention. That I cannot say, okay, I'll just live here. I'll just bring my husband and my two cats, and I'll find a job here, and I'll be forever surrounded by. It the fellowship of a vision for you. And and then I had this brilliant idea. Oh, I know what I'm going to do. I am going to get my book, my little book that I carry in my pocketbook, and I'm going to get the signatures of a bunch of people that are extremely important in my life, in my recovery life. And then whenever I want, I'll open the big book, that my little big book that I carry in my pocket, and I'll see their handwriting, and I'll feel comforted. And I thought that that was going to do the trick. So I started collecting... Um, names, but not everybody can write on the Sabbath. So, so I said, gee, this is not doing it. It's just not doing it. I'm, how, in, how am I going to, to, to feel this hole in my heart, right? Of course I'm praying, but let me tell you one thing. I've been praying nonstop since I was like three years old. I was raised in a very religious family, and we always set aside time every day and every week to, to, to pray meaningfully. And, and prayer on its own never fixed, never allowed me to stop eating compulsively. Prayer alone on its own 
prayer and meditation and the awareness that indeed there is the other, the big other, never, never just fixed this um, endless hunger for food. It just didn't on its own. It didn't do it for me. So I said, okay, Marcella, Marcella, I am from a vision where you behave. Go and sit down in a chair and, and let's just listen to the first talk and let's just behave like everybody else. So off I went, right, and, and then I remember um, being sitting with my friend Lulu and, and a few others that I have met there, and, and we started listening to Ruth, and Ruth was brilliantly explaining to us the cycle of addiction, how, you know, like um, it starts at sunset and, and you have a horrific, horrific binge like I always did. I always did. I, at sunset, I turn into a vampire of some sorts, and I would start eating and eating and eating to not end. And, and eating against my will and thinking, oh, well, it's, it's over anyway. I mean, I, I ruined my, my abstinence, my diet, my counting points, my counting of carbs, whatever. So I might as well just binge well and, and we'll start tomorrow. And in the morning, I was still digesting because I had eaten so much. And I would feel terrible because I was heavy and, and my mouth was dry and I, my heart was pounding and I was scared of the day, and, and I was determined to do it well in this day, and, and I would skip breakfast because I was still too full. And then by noon, I would eat a small salad, and then by four, I would say, I've been doing so well, I can eat a little extra thing, and I would add another ingredient to my next meal, and by five o'clock, six o'clock, after a long day of work, I would be tired, I would be starving, and I would say, okay, now I can eat because I've been good all day long. And at 6 o'clock at night, I will start eating and I will stop at midnight. And that's the cycle of fish. With the shame, guilt, and remorse and powerless, powerlessness that it brings with, with it. So when I was listening to Ruth, I was nodding my head. I was nodding my head. I was not purposely nodding my head. My head. I was just identifying. And I was saying, yeah, yeah, that's exactly how it is. Yes, eggs, that's how it is. We have an allergy. I'm violently allergic to all kinds of carbs, sweet and, and, and salty and, 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 and to big volume. It doesn't, know if it's, it doesn't matter if it's raw broccoli. I can eat an enormous amount of raw broccoli. I need boundaries around my food because otherwise I just trigger the, the cycle. And while she was um, describing the cycle of addiction, I was making a scribble of the cycle of recovery. The cycle of addiction, the way that I saw it back there and there in the convention, the cycle of addiction keeps growing narrower and narrower in angst, right? It traps you and it's, it's there, there's a point if you are like me in what there's nothing, there's no space in your life or in your mind or in your heart for nothing but your, the vain attempts to control your food intake and the food. There's nothing else. I mean, it seems like we're going through the motions. It seems like we're going to work. It seems like we're communicating with people. But in the back, it's like a like backup music is backup nightmare. The food, the food, how fat, how big, how you can't stop eating, you can't stop eating. And then that cycle of addiction has a very, very definite, very definite, very specific end, and that is death. This disease will kill you. Little by little with a lot of cruelty and humiliation, but the end of the cycle of addiction is death. Now, how do you get out of the cycle of addiction? Well, you hit bottom. What's the meaning of hitting bottom? Sometimes we hit bottom on our own. Sometimes we hit bottom with a sponsor, 
right? And if you see this, if you see the, the, the cycle of addiction as a circle, and if you see the 12 steps as a circle, like the watch, like the clock, like where noon, where 12, 12 o'clock, it's both midnight and noon. So let's get started. Step 12, my step 12, starts when I find another person to work with or that other person finds me. And then we start talking, right? And she comes to me or not, or I go to her and I say, do you, have you, have you, um, have you pondered the need of doing the steps and reading the book? Maybe we can do it together. Or she comes to me and she says, please help me, please help me. And, um, and then we open the book. So my 12th step is your midnight. And, but, but the, the number 12 in my watch is the sunlight of the spirit, is my noon. So we connect the number 12. I'm in a really good space. I'm, I'm recovered. I, uh, the food is down. Um, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm solid in my step work. I have a good understanding of the big book. I have made the, the words of the big book my own. I have my own rhythm. I, I have, and I'm going to try to pass the message to you. You're in the midnight. You are, you are in a really dark, horrible place. So we hold hands and together we go to step one. And we admit that we cannot do it alone. That's what we're holding hands right now. And that we need to smash a solution that one day we will eat like other people and enjoy it. And we design a plan in which we can smash the solution daily that includes a food plan, a routine to call your sponsor, a routine to read the book, um, how and when you're going to connect with a vision for you, if it's a recording, so if it's live, and how and, where, how and when you're going to um, start um, developing a, a, a routine of prayer and meditation and, and, and how are you going to connect um, with the fellowship of vision for you. So, um, so, so we keep walking, right? We keep walking, step one, and then we, together, we walk together for the absolutely need, absolute need for a higher power. Um, the big book will never prove the existence of a God. It just proves the need for a specific function of the higher power, a specific gift, gift that the higher power is willing to give us um, because otherwise we cannot do it alone. So it doesn't take two. It takes three, the higher power and two fellow, fellow um, sufferers, fellow um, compulsive over years. And, and then we have written an inventory, and then together we read an inventory. Together we do the first step. And you, you know, you know, the 678, together we make a list of the people that we have harmed. And then nine, we, together we um, make design amends for the people that we have harmed. As my sponsee is doing her work, I see into myself because we, nobody has the monopoly of defects of character, and nobody has the monopoly of the harms to other people. We're pretty predictable. Actually, I always joke with my sponsees, like, we're kind of boring. Like, we, we're predictable. We do the same kinds of harms, and we do um, disconnect from the great reality the same way. So, so I was scribbling that. I was nodding with my head. You know, I was nodding. I didn't even know that I was nodding, but I was just identifying so much and agreeing so much, and I have never seen Ruth in my life, so I was also ecstatic to see her, right? her slim, beautiful, cheerful, enthusiastic self. And and then the beginning of her first talk ended and I walked to Leah and I said, Leah, I belong to the school the school of Ruth and I didn't even know it. Right? And we giggled a little and that was it. 
And then I said, oh, this is, I feel better already. Now I feel connected. Like I heard Ruth and I connected with Leah. Now I feel a little better. And then the magic happened. A woman that I have never seen before came to me, walked to me, and she said, you have to help me. You just have to help me. I want to do the 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 program as Ruth is announcing it, and I saw you nodding your head, <laughs> nodding your head through the whole talk, and you absolutely need to help me. So how can well that was that was not the sketch that that I didn't expect. I didn't expect somebody to approach me with that level of intensity and conviction, and I didn't know that I didn't want to feel disconnected from anything happening in, a, in the convention. So I just said, that took me by surprise. That, like, well, that was a little off. I was like, I didn't know. So, um, but there was that, you know, that despair that you see in somebody's eyes that is so familiar that you say, oh, I know exactly how you're feeling. You're confused, you're lost, but you're hopeful at the same time and you're willing to do whatever it takes. So we sat together and and. I started interviewing her the way that we are um, directed to interview people in, in, in the chapter of working with others, trying to learn about her the most that I could, given the fact that I had her in front of my eyes, right, so I could see her face. And then um, I asked my friend Lulu to, to, to play with me the sketch, you know, the, the, the approach to the newcomer that is described in Alcoholics Anonymous number three, when you go and, and you talk to the a candidate, and then you you look at one another and say, do you think that she has a chance? You know, everything's written there. It's kind of brilliant. It doesn't say uh, we can give it a try or are you willing to go to any length. It says, um, it says you will recover like, as a statement. It's just an announcement. You will recover. And it begins right here, right now. So... So she was, so this candidate that approached me, God bless her, she was, she was just like, okay, we're here and, and, and we have two days and a half and let's just do it. So we left the room and we went to the beach with our big book and we started walking and we started walking, walking, walking. And, and we didn't even feel tra- time. It was just like walking and talking, walking and talking. At some point, we, um, made a very sincere third step and we turned our will and our lives over to the care of God. And then we went indoors again and we wrote an inventory, you know, in the hospitality room. And, and we went through the turnarounds and it was just so much. It was, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like when, 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 when you go to the doctor and the doctor starts pushing you, squishing your belly and then you say, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where, that's where it hurts. And then he does some movement and then it doesn't hurt anymore. Or when you go to the chiropractic and, and the chiropractor like, like cracks your back and, and he says, yeah, 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 that's where it hurts. And then the chiropractic like cracks your bone and then it doesn't hurt anymore. It was like that. It was like item by item. And then we did the turnarounds around, the turnarounds together. And then we would pray for every person in her list. And we made like very sincere, beautiful prayers because the ocean was praying with us. And, and and you guys were inside listening to the other uh, conferences. And it was like a, we were there. We were immersed in recovery. God was looking at us, and the ocean was praying with us. And we were walking on the beach. And we were just like pouring our energy. We were like 100% sincere and motivated. And at the same time, 
my beloved, adored fellowship of a vision for you was indoors, spreading the message. And I'm sure that I'm not, I was not the only one. I'm sure that, I'm sure that, that we were not the only ones like, like hooking into the cycle of recovery. So off we went, right? And, and I just, words cannot describe what God has given us. It just doesn't describe it. It's it's a, there are relatives, right? There are friends and there are relatives and we fall in love and we get married and we have children, but there are no words to describe the bond that 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 the magic glue that ties a recovery composer a recovery composer reader with a candidate and, and the glue that stays when two people are walking this walk together. It's just much more than friends. We're relatives of some sorts because we're literally saving our lives, saving our mutual lives as we're walking this cycle of recovery. So um, that's a vision for you. A vision for you is like two people in need, two people in need. Sometimes my my, my, my fellow walker in life, she tells me, I tell her, gee, really, that day our higher power, we don't even have common religions, don't get me wrong. She belongs to one religion, I belong to the other. We worship in a very different way. Um, she lives in New York, she's buried right now in snow. But she's a student and she's in recovery. And um, we walk the walk and sometimes I tell her, God really had mercy on us that day. And she asked me, no, why? Why do you say that? You were recovered already. You were slim already. You were not hungry already. And I tell her, but friend, friend of mine, I must feel that I'm capable of passing it on to another human being to keep motivated, being recovered and staying with my own private, personal recovery so that I can wear my size four every day won't do the trick. It just won't. I must feel, and those are the words of a vision for you, to see people recovered, to see people mend their lives, to see people making their beds and walking. That's an experience that you must, must not miss. And that is the substitute for my excess of food. Is that incredible? Is that unbelievable? Right? So God had mercy on us and he continues to have mercy on us because we keep walking together. So I had no idea at the beginning of the convention how to mend my heart, how to stop feeling the sorrow of not being with you when I was with you. And and God sent that to me in the form of a friend and a long, long, long walk that lasted many hours in, on the beach in which we have an experience with a capital E and we experience the energy with a capital E of the one and only who's the source of all recovery. And um, and now I have the convention whenever I want because um, whenever it's a, it's 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 one phone away from me and and we just text during the day and I have that flavor that feeling of being really a part a living part a living component of the fellowship of a vision for you in which the higher power has poured recovery not because we deserve it but because he just wants and because we're connected with one another we're holding hands and walking the walk. So the cycle of recovery, as I understood it and as I learned and as it was 
given to me in the Convention of Abishu for you is nothing but the twelve steps that are um, that are described in in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. It's a, it's not a list as we read in page fifty nine. It's not one list that goes from one to twelve. It is more like a circle. And that the difference between the cycle of addiction and the cycle of recovery is that the cycle of recovery keeps growing bigger and wider and stronger and every single time is much more fun and much more interesting. Um I remember the first time that I was um that I was granted this this privilege of talking to you on a Sunday and connecting with you live. Um I didn't have sponsors yet. Um well I was trying with a lot of people but nobody was still walking with me, walking the walk, walking in with with keeping each other's company. And and the second time um I had somebody on the line and we did the, the the walk very quickly, like in an hour, right? We walked together and that was awesome. And we're still in touch. And and now um two gifts were given to me around the time of the convention. Um around the same time that we went to the convention, I got an email from the UK and it was in written words the same feeling, right? The same despair in the eyes. I couldn't see her eyes. I still cannot see them. But but you get me, like the despair, like I'm dying here. I'm like, this is, I'm just, the food is going to kill me. This disease is not just a few extra pounds. This disease is a living nightmare. It's just consuming me. It's draining me. I, You probably are too far away because I live in Boston. She lives in the US, UK. That the time difference, um, you're super busy, I'm super busy. Um, what is going to happen to me? You might not even be able to help me even if you want to. And then we leave it up to the higher power who is the source of all recovery. Somehow, I'm not even sure how, every day when we connect, uh, my friend in the UK and I, we use an app, an app in, on the phone that is called WhatsApp. So she records a little I have the whole book, the whole book on a British accent. I take so much delight. Now, just imagine these things. English is not my first language. I was born in Mexico. And my English is not very good. And then she speaks with a British accent, and she lives in a different continent. The ocean is in between us. The time difference is in between us. She works very long hours, and I work very long hours. And yet, the higher power says, and recovery shall be yours. She's abstinent three months. We have walked the whole walk. We have experienced all the steps together. We have admitted powerlessness. We have found the need for God. We have, we're working on it. And now, every day we're, we're working now on 10, 11, and 12. And she records me the paragraphs of pages 84 to, 80, 84 to 88. And and there's something, right? There's something about knowing that while I'm sleeping, she's awake. While I'm working, she's sleeping. And, and recovery goes around and around and around in a circle, in a cycle of recovery that binds us in a togetherness that we, where our imaginations are not even healthy enough to, to design, right? In a togetherness that keeps us in which we become like a worthy container 
of the source of all recovery, which is God. My Hebrew name is Mayim, which means water. And and I just love the images, all images of water. Some people say that, um, oh, yeah, well, you recover. Well, yeah, you deserve recovery because you're doing all this work. No, I don't, I don't, I don't see things like that. I don't experience recovery like that. We, nobody's really worthy of this. This is a free gift that God, God gives us. And no amount of service will produce that re- recovery itself. We're just containers. We're just, if, if I have any merit, is to bring my empty container to the source, which is the higher power. And, and if I have any merit, is grab another empty container and say, I know where the source is. Let's bring the containers to the faucet of water, to the fountain of water, because that's where the real deal is. And that's what we do for one another. And if one day I spill a lot of water somewhere in my tracks, right, because I'm agitated, because I go back to fear and to shame and to feelings of pessimism, I always have another person, right, like Ruth did for me in, in, in the convention. She doesn't even know. Ruth doesn't even know if you if I if I stand in front of Ruth, she won't recognize me. But she just by giving, by doing what she was doing, by saying what she was saying, by living her recovery the way she's living it, she affected me profoundly, intensely. She brought me back to to the source of energy and recovery in which it affected not only me, it affected the next person. I don't know where my friend in New York is going to pour her her, her new acquired skill, but I can't wait to find out. And with that, I'll pass. Marcella, thank you so much for sharing your experience and beautiful insights of recovery with us this morning. Your service is greatly appreciated, as always. Marcella's contact information will be given at the conclusion of this recording, so please stay tuned for that. And now we will take the opportunity to open the lines, and you can ask questions of Marcella by pressing star 1 to unmute and identify yourself, please. Jody E. Hi, Jody. Jody E. Anyone else? All right, Jody, you'll be the icebreaker for this morning. Go ahead, please. Thank you, Leah. Good morning, everyone. My name is Jody E. <clears throat> I'm a grateful, recovered bulimic in California. Thank you so much, Marcella. That was beautiful. Um, I've often thought the same thing, that it's uh, the people that God works through and how I achieve this thing, this recovery I can't just stay in my room and pray. Uh, It doesn't work. I need other compulsive overeaters. My question to you is about um, the phrase turnaround. I'm not sure exactly what you mean by that. Could you explain? Oh, thank you, Jody. That's a very good question. Um, um, That is... uh, a common phrase that describes the fourth column of the fourth step, the turnaround. So in the fourth step, we write four columns. 
um, there are three of them written in the big book. The first is the, the person, principle, or institution that you're resentful against. The second column is the cause in 15 words or less. It's not a soap opera, it's just a few lines, right, that describe your resentment. The cause is that area of your soul that it's hurting because of that resentment. And the map of the soul, according to the big book, is self-esteem, uh, your pocketbook, your relationships, your ambitions, and um, your sense of security in the world, your sense of safety in the world. And um, so you write down, you know, where, we, where is that resentment hurting? And then there comes the turnaround. And the turnaround is the fourth column. And um, there are four questions for the turnarounds. Where have you been selfish, self-seeking, dishonest, or fearful? And um, in the line of AA that I learn my step work and where I dwell, we believe that um, that it's not a good practice to write your turnarounds by yourself because we know that self-appraisal is insufficient. So in other words, I can very clearly see my resentment. I can very clearly see the cause of, of which in which I'm of which I'm resentful against that person. I can clearly see where it hurts, but I cannot very clearly see where I'm selfish, right? I don't know if it has happened to you that you write your resentment easy, you write the cost easy, you write where is it hurting easy. Where am I selfish? Selfish, me? No. I can't, there's nothing, right? Where have I been fearful? Okay, yeah, fear, I can see it a little. Um, where have I been self-centered? No, I don't know. I don't. So we need the help of another person to help us see that. And 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 that's why you call. That's why you build a network of them, of ten step buddies, ten step friends, in which you can go and and read them your first third columns, and then together you can very clearly see selfish, self-seeking, dishonest, and fearful. Now that's not enough. That's not a complete turnaround. The complete turnaround is quickly identify what are what are your defects of character that surprise, surprise are showing up again right, like your good old friends, what are the people that are being affected in this particular resentment, and then um, the real turnaround, which is the amends. So a successful 10 step begins with a written inventory, which is four, and ends with a plan, a design to make amends, which is step nine. And also to design amends, we know that you don't design your amends by yourself. You just you just don't figure in your head, oh, this is the way that I'm going to set this right, this wrong right. You don't do that because we have extravagant imaginations and we might end up hurting people even more. So, so a step, uh, another person, a step ten friend can help you to do that. So that's what I mean by turnarounds. Thank you, Marcelo. Thank you for your whole talk. It was beautiful. Thanks. Jody, for the question. Who else has a question? Miriam L. Miriam L. Who else? Was there anyone else besides Miriam? Kathy K. Hi, Kathy, yes. Okay, anyone else? Mary H. Mary H. Toby W. Toby W. LCM. LCM. All right, let's go with this group, beginning with Miriam L., please. Thank you. Hi, this is Miriam L., and I'm gratefully in recovery from compulsive overeating, and thank you so much 
for your share. Um, I was wondering if you could speak a little bit about the difference between selfishness and self-seeking. I've, I've worked through the steps in the big book a number of times, and I've heard different definitions of the two, and I still sometimes get confused. So I would love to hear your take on how you distinguish between those two. Thank you. Um, there are many, I've, I've heard many different lines of thought. The one that we use in my face-to-face group is um, the colloquial use of selfishness in the 30s and in the 40s. Um, back there in the day, um, selfish meant a slightly different thing than it means now. Um, for example, if you said in the 1940s, if you said, um, oh, I can't stand this weather, it's a horrible hor- the weather is horrible, people will tell you, oh, don't be selfish, it's the weather. So selfish meant um, our inability to accept reality because mm-hmm. we cannot change reality. Reality is just there and either you accept it or you fight it. If you fight it, you suffer. If you accept it, you don't suffer. So selfish was an ability to accept reality. So that's, how we, that's selfish. Now self-seeking is closer to what we understand now by being selfish, like the morbid obsession with one, one's interest or one's well-being, the inability to see others, that just like a, a, yeah, a morbid um, obsession with self. So then you can see a very clear distinction. How am I not willing to accept the reality of this circumstance, this situation, this principle, this institution, or this person, or this group of people, as opposed to how am I being self-seeking? How, how do I want to take advantage of all these situations, these principles? How am I just obsessed with my own well-being and not making room for other people? I hope that's helpful. Great. Thank you. Thank you, Miriam. Kathy Kay. Uh, hi, Marcella. This is Kathy Kay, and thank you for your service, and thank you, Leah. Um, it was great to hear you today, Marcella, and I wanted to ask you if you've experienced something like what I've experienced as I continue to sponsor people with the steps, and that is that each sponsee is unique. And the template that I use for going through the big book and through the steps um, needs to be tailored uh, to the person I'm working with, needs to take into account any step work that she may have already done, as well as her history as a compulsive overeater, as well as her current life circumstances and how best to structure the work so that she can get through it successfully. So I find myself, every time I work with a new sponsee, having to think all over, you know, how are we going to work step one, how long are we going to devote to it, um, what kind of writing or other assignments I might want to ask of her, to help her really work the step. And I was just curious whether you do that kind of tailoring or whether you have one approach that seems to work with everyone. And with that, I pass. Thank you. That's a great comment. Um, yeah, by all means. Um, but I have two, two, two warnings. Um, the first one is that we really cannot... Which I think in my view, the only template that we need is the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Any other extra literature will just like overemphasize certain aspects of the big book and neglect others. That's my opinion. 
And um, and the other thing is that, of course, we approach the big book with new eyes because you, the recovered sponsor, also need the work. And that is very, very important. Every time that we sponsor another person is not teaching something that we already know. That's not it. Every time that we sponsor another person, we're learning something that we still need to learn. So the process of the steps as a sponsor is we both of us need it as much. If you go to the doctor's opinion, the first paragraph or the first letter, it says as means of his, as part of his rehabilitation, as part of his rehabilitation, he impressed these ideas and other people. And they also tell, and then these people had to yet impress these ideas upon others. So it's a never in the cycle. So why do I sponsor not? Because I'm really nice and generous and like a very devoted person or, or because I have nothing better to do. I sponsor people because I need the work. I need my sponsee as much as my, my sponsee needs me. So, of course, every time is different because otherwise we would be bored to death. We would just say, not again, not again. So every time is different. And then, of course, there are all kinds of differences. Um, rhythms, right? Like there are people that absolutely need to do the steps like really quick. And there are people that just won't and can't and don't need that, right? And, and yeah, many other subtle differences. Uh, some people cannot work on the phone. They just can't. They absolutely need to meet face-to-face. And, yeah, of course, yeah, it has to be new every single time, not only for the sponsor, for, for, for the person who's sponsoring. And thank you. Thanks, Cassie K. Mary H., Mary H., your turn. Oh, can you hear me now? Yes. Oh, sorry. Um, Mary H., recovered compulsive overeater from California. And thank you, Marcella. Thank you, Leah. Um, my question is, I'm I'm living in 10, 11, and 12. Loving it. So happy to be here. And do you have suggestions for... Um, how you deepen your recovery. I mean, I know sponsoring, like what you just said, answered part of my question is, you know, of course, deepens my recovery. Um, but just some, perhaps some other suggestions to uh, live more deeply in uh, 10, 11, and 12. Thank you. I imagine that there are different ways for different people. The way that I have found is to try another means of spreading the message. Um, we have a chain in Spanish through WhatsApp. We have like, I don't know, it seems like 12 countries, Spanish-speaking countries, all Latin America and a few people in Spain. And there are like 86 people there. We've, we've been working for like a year and a half. So, so I tried to spread the message in another language. And then um, recently after the after the convention, I'm trying really hard to get a face-to-face meeting in Jamaica Plain. If you live close to Boston, please come to us. And we're trying really hard to start a meeting, a, a detailed study of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous with the support of the recordings of a vision for you. And so those those are other ways in which I would feel that it's deepening my recovery. 
I don't buy the school of thought that you need to work yourself on yourself by yourself because that's not the spirit of the big book. The spirit of the big book says work with another person. So I have a, I'm very blessed. I have a very solid, small group of people. It's a mix of um, AA and OA people in my life. And, and we we meet um, three times a week. And, and these people know me. Before I open my mouth, they set me on my tracks because, because they know me. They see me and they, they're very familiar with my defects of character. And they're very familiar with the way that I live my life. So, so I don't need to spend that much time in self-absorption because the other people take care of me, <laughs> if you know what I mean. So that's another way. It's, it's, it's what I try to convey in, this, in today's um, topic, the fellowship. The fellowship is the voice of... The fellowship becomes your, the, 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 the medium through which you get the medicine. It becomes your access to the great reality. English is not my first language. So the other day I was studying a box of medication and, and the medication says the medium of the medication is X and X. And the content, the active ingredient, is X and X. So the medium of our medication is the fellowship. The content of our medication is God. But the medium is the fellowship, so we need a fellowship. Thanks. Thank you, Mary H. Toby W., your turn. Hi there, um, Marcella, and um, this is Toby W. from Boston. How are you? Um, can you hear me okay? Yep. Okay. Yes, um, I hear you. Thank you. As I was listening to you this morning, Marcella, I was, when you first said about prayer, that you were brought up with prayer every day and it never helped you to stop eating. Um, I almost went into shock because my sponsor keeps talking to me about prayer and asking God for help. And then when I listened a little bit more, um, I realized you were talking more about the fellowship and I'd like to ask you, where does prayer come into your life, and how do you balance that? Or do you, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm just not sure. And I also want to add that when I am working with others, my ego, my ego comes out big time. So I need a lot of help with that. So it's like a double question there. Um, Toby, I love you, Toby, a big hug and a kiss. Um, okay, so I was, as I said, I was raised in a very religious household, so we always prayed, and of course I prayed before I knew that I had a deadly disease. I knew that, um, I prayed many times, God, please help me stop eating. Please help me keep my diet, and it never worked. It just didn't. I would pray I would pray. I, I made extravagant prayers. Like before I ate a very rich dessert, I would ask God, God, please let me eat this dessert and, and not gain weight, right? <laughs> so, so I came with very extravagant, ridiculous prayers. So, so, 
so prayer works for me now. The spirit, if we study the spirit of the prayers that we read in the big book, you go the the, the first prayer. God, I offer myself to the to the to be with me and to do with me as I will. Where does it say, please God, I don't want to be hungry. Please God, I don't. It doesn't say I don't want to drink. Please God, help me help me to stay away from. It doesn't say that. Please God, I don't want to be drunk today. It doesn't say that. Please God, I offer myself to Thee. I offer myself to Thee. Please hire me for what You want me to do. To be with me and to do with me as I will. Please use me as a block, as a Lego block, so that I can do what I'm supposed to be doing according to Your will, not my plan. According to Your design, not my plan. Right? Um, to be with me and to do as I will. Relieve me of the bondage of self. Relieve me of it. Yeah, relieve me from my own little design and from my little boring, repetitive, chronic soap opera, from my self-centeredness so that I can better do thy will. Now, if you have to deal with your ego, well, welcome to our tribe, right? We are who we are. What else are we going to do, right? I, I felt very moved by, um, there was they were taking pictures at the end of the convention and one of the presenters would say, I will... I, of course, I'll say yes to the picture, but I struggle because my ego gets into the way. And I felt very humble by that. I felt very moved by that. Of course. But the thing is that God is going to take advantage of our defects of character so that we can pass the message. Doesn't it say in the seven-step prayer, take all of me, the good and the bad. Take all of me, all of me, the good, my sincere desire to sponsor another person, and the bad. My ego, that surprise, surprise, will come into the way. How else is it going to be, right? So, so yeah, the good and the bad. But then at the end of the game, who's the source of recovery? Not Toby and not Marcella, not even Leah, not even the, the whole fellowship of a vision for you as a whole. The source of recovery is a higher power. Thanks. Thank you, Toby. LCM, your turn. Hi, this is LCM from outside Philadelphia. Excuse me, I have a cold. That's why I sound this way. Uh, thank you, Marcella, for your share. Um, I just am wondering if you could speak more to how you handle life on life terms when it seems really overwhelming. Um, I've have, I have two special needs kids, and at times things can be very extreme, and uh, it just can shatter my faith a little bit, and I just wonder if you could speak to that. Thank you. Thank you for the question. Um, so situations that I find overwhelming. So the big book says that um, that we have never, ever encountered a situation so dire or so difficult that we have not overcome among us. So in other words, you're not the only one. Um, even today, I'm sure, I'm 100% sure that in this line, listening to my voice and your voice, there are other moms with children with special needs. I, I, just, I just know it. I just, I just know the statistics, statistics just say that. So as soon as you connect with another person that has your same difficulties, and both of you are recovering from this deadly disease, your life will, your life just gets better. That's why people create support groups and and there all this. These are outside issues, but what bonds us together is a solution for our inside issue and our and our primary purpose. So if you know that there's another woman in this line trying to stay abstinent and walking the path of recovery with, you know, 
also caring for a person that that needs extra help, your your burden will be lighter. That's the way it is. And when we share, you know, in the meeting or when we reach out to other people, we create an instant network. That's what it's 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 good to go to meetings. It's good to share innovation for you. It's good to make phone calls. It's it's just good to stay connected. So that'll be my my the the quickest answer. Make sure that you find another woman with with children with special needs that wants that is in recovery, so that you can walk your specific walk together. Thanks. Thank you, Elsie, for your question. Who else has a question for Marcella this morning? Star one to unmute to identify yourself. This is Marie. My name is Lindsay, L-I-N-D-Y. Lindsay. Um, I heard a Marie. Yes, I had a is question. Is that correct? Okay. Yes. What's the initial of your first initial? M. M. Okay, so we have Marie M. and we have Lindsay. Who else? No, it's Lindy, L-I-N-D-Y, no S. Okay, thank you for the correction, Lindy. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Anyone Sally? else? Sally? Sally? Sally B. B. Okay. And anyone else? This will be the last invitation for questions. Going once. Twice. Read, uh, uh, Rita. My name is Rita. Rita. Yes. Okay. First, in, first initial of your last name, please, Rita. B. B. And there yes. was someone else that popped up as well. Was there anyone else that I missed? Okay. Let's start with Marie M. Please. Thank you. Marie, star one to unmute. Thank you. I thought I was. Uh, So good morning, everyone. And my question is, I don't stay abstinent long-term enough for me to feel I can get into using the 12 steps for the purpose that's there. And um, I... I just end up feeling worse. Say I've been abstinent for six months or a year, and I'm doing 12-step work, and um, and then I I lose my abstinence, and I feel like I failed all those people, but I also don't know. I don't know how to deal with it in terms of um, the honesty thing, or do you stop, or what? Well, thank you for the question. I um, I know how you feel. I've been in OA since 1985, and if everything goes well, I'll just have five years of abstinence, continuous abstinence. So I know how you feel. It's a horrible, horrible, desperate feeling. Um, the short and the long is keep coming back and try again. And then the specifics. Um, you probably need a highly specific food plan, weigh and measure coming from, you know, a list and 
sticking to your list and the willingness to do that. Um, the second thing, you you need to be willing to go through withdrawal. We don't talk enough, I think, about withdrawal, the withdrawal symptoms, but they're very real. They're very real. Once we stop, as Harlan keeps telling us over and over again, once you stop eating, you feel worse. You don't feel better. You feel a lot worse. Part of it is physical, and the other part is spiritual and emotional. The physical part is very real. When we stop medicating our bodies with uh, food, we feel pain. I personally went through a period of insomnia, of um, joint pains, horrible headaches. I felt dizzy, I felt weak. Um, it was really, really bad and uncomfortable. It was not, I couldn't believe it. I was weight, I was losing the weight, but I was feeling sick, sick, really sick. And so, so, but what else are we going to do? It's either that or, 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 or keep eating. Um, so the period of withdrawal, which is very real and, and it lasts, but it doesn't last forever. And then at the same time, the careful study of the big book and the practical application of the steps, it's all, it's many components with the participation in the meeting. But what else are I going to tell you? Just keep trying. Just I kept trying for decades. You're, you're listening to decades of relapse. If there's something that I know, it's relapse. But if there's something that I know, it's keep coming back. Just keep trying. Try again. Thank you, Marie, for the question. Lindy S., your turn. Hi. Thanks for uh, letting me share. I I don't know if this is exactly a question, um, but I know I need question, to Question, please, Lindy. Thank you. Uh, question. Well, one question I had is if I could, I don't know how to do this with this meeting, could I have Kathy Kay's contact info at the end of the meeting? Could that be done? I'm sure your needs will be taken care of. And go ahead with your question. Um, okay, my question is how... Um, I live in an area where there's not a lot of meetings and the ones that are here, not a lot of face-to-face ones. What are your suggestions if if it's difficult to get to strong face-to-face meetings? Um, I have the same problem, believe it or not. That's what I'm trying really, really hard to start a meeting in the Boston area, and I live in Boston. Um, so, for terms of recovery, I just cling to a vision for you. I just listen to the recording every single day, and I use the phone list, and I listen to every single recording. There, there's, a, there's such a wealth in the recordings of a vision for you. You can spend hours and hours. I listen to the recordings of a vision for you when I'm preparing my food. It's incredible. It's just a, such a wealth. And then you get names, you go to the phone list, and then you can contact these people. And and these people will put you in contact with yet another. And before you know it, you have a very strong network through a vision for you. So, and of course, I mean, in an ideal perfect world, we'll all have strong face-to-face meetings, but we're just beginning. It is our job to spread the message face-to-face, but we're just beginning. So... Let's just keep walking the walk. 
Thank you very much, Lindy F. Sally B., your turn. Hi, this is Sally B., and uh, thank you, Marcella. You've been incredible. Um, I I have maybe five months of back-to-back abstinence, and I'm, you know, I listen to a vision for you, and I have a sponsor, et cetera. Recently, I'm 72, and my husband's 83. Recently, my doctor started talking to us about having wills and uh, end-of-life stuff and wanting us to read books, and it got me really blue. Um, I still work, and I support us. And I started feeling old and sorry for myself and realized that it was setting up um, an obsession, not a craving because I don't have flour and sugar and binge foods in me, but I wanted to be entertained by food. I wanted, I don't know, what what would you suggest I do when those scared, sad feelings come up? Mm. Well, <laughs> that's exactly why we have sponsors and we do that 10, 11, and 12 and we write the columns. The first thing that popped into my mind was um, I am no rush to age. Like, like I have plans for my 60s, my 70s, my 80s, and my 90s. Um, why should, I mean, it's prudent, right, to write wheels, and, but what's the spirit of the fellowship and what's the spirit of the big book? That I would just go back to the big book and see what it says. What do we find in the big book? It gives us a sense of directions, a sense of a meaningful joy, a job in this world while we're alive, right? The big yeah. book says that we have a job, right? We have a job. We have a disease, but we have a job. And we're uniquely qualified to do this job. How long are we going to do this job? Until the very end of our life. There's no retirement. There's no retirement. There's no wheel. We are employed by the employer, and we have a job. So that's the spirit of the big book. As for a specific conversation, I would suggest talk to your sponsor and talk to other people, and and you'll find, again, the joy of living. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Sally B. Rita B. Rita B., you'll have our final question for this morning. Star one to unmute. Um, Yes, this is Rita from Boston, and my question is, I was wondering if the meetings that uh, Marcella mentioned in Jamaica Plain, the big book uh, step study meeting or something to that effect, if it's if they if it if they're open to the public, she said that they meet three times a week. That's what I I was wondering if anybody could go to those meetings. Thank you. Thank you for the question. It's just to, it's an open meeting of of Overeaters Anonymous. It's on the website. If you go to the website and you look on Thursdays Jamaica Plain, it's listed in the website of Overeaters Anonymous. And I'll leave my contact information so if you want to call me. I can, 
but it, it is listed in the OA uh, website in, under Jamaica Plain on Thursday night. If you want to look at the information. Thank and it's you. an open meeting. Thanks, Rita. Thank you to all who asked questions this morning. And, of course, thank you, Marcella, for your beautiful presentation this morning and for your dedication. Thank you, Leah. Thank you for everything you do. And we'll finish this morning the way we always do, and that's from page 164. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.